0: Scripture reading this morning will be from First Timothy one twelve through fifteen. First Timothy one chapter twelve or first Timothy chapter one verses twelve through fifteen. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor, and injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all ex- expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We're very glad that you're present today. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're glad to see Sister Peggy Hunt with us first time that she's been able to be here in quite some time and we're very thankful for that. We do want to welcome Brother Billy and Sister Connie and also Jared. We're glad to have them. Jared has his mama with him this morning and so we're glad to have her here as well. I appreciate Billy leading us in that hymn just a moment ago because the title of our lesson today His Grace Reaches Me. And I thought that that would be a fitting song to kind of usher in, I guess you could say, our lesson today. So we're going to be talking about the theme, His Grace Reaches Me. Before we do so, we want to express appreciation to those who are visiting. If you are looking for a church home, I know that the elders of the church here would be more than happy to meet with you and to talk with you about the opportunities for service in this congregation. We do have a number of our own members away. Because it is the uh, final weekend for spring break and summer traveling. We want to remember them as well as those who are sick. And those who uh, have uh, been shut in as a result of lingering illnesses. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to specifically look at verses 12 through 17. As we think about the theme, His grace reaches me. And really what we have here is a beautiful statement by the Apostle Paul outlining what the Lord had done for him. And it was because of the grace of God that Paul became a great servant of the Lord. And so we're going to look at that in depth. But the first thing I want to call your attention to as we study 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17 has to do with the thought of dealing with the baggage of sin. And make no mistake about it. Those of us who live here upon planet earth, because of sin, we have baggage. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, There is none righteous, no not one. In verse 23, Paul said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we understand that sin is a reality in life. And so with that in mind, I want you to look with me at the actions of Paul. And really, he's going to take us back to his life prior to Christianity. And so with that in mind, look at verse 12. Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. When we talk about the actions of Paul, the first thing that you need to see here has to do with the ways of sin. Look at the life of Paul. Prior to obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul would say in a very candid way, Look, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent man and that word insolent means somebody who is arrogant or haughty, who throws their weight around, and really that's what Paul was doing. And you can go back and read Luke's account in the book of Acts as he traces the birth and infancy and ultimate growth of the church where he talks about Saul making havoc of the church. Paul was an enemy of the cause of Christ. When you and I talk about sin, we need to understand that there are what is called the ways of sin. In Isaiah 55, verse 7, Isaiah said, Let the wicked man forsake his ways. It may be the case that you today are not a persecutor. You're not somebody who is insensitive towards the church of Christ. But you are living in sin. And there may be any number of things going on in your life that would characterize you As a sinner, look at people in the world today. We see individuals in our world today who are unbelievers. There are individuals who are agnostics, who really doubt the existence of God. They would say, you can't prove there's a God, but you can't disprove there's a God. There are individuals who are consuming their lives with alcohol and drug abuse. There are people who are consuming themselves with pornography, immorality, any number of things going on in the lives of people. And so we talk about the ways of sin. But then there's a second thing I think we need to see. Not only do we, do we confront the ways of sin, but the waste of sin. I think this is something that all of us ought to, to really consider. When you live in sin, you are wasting precious years, precious time, that could be utilized for the cause of Christ. The song that we sing from time to time, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride. Listen again to what Paul said in verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly... When you look at Paul, he's saying, Look, because of the grace of God and the goodness of God, I am what I am today. But if you look at my track record, you'll see that at one time, I had been a persecutor. I had been a thorn in the side of the body of Christ. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 23, the statement was made of Paul by those that had heard about his conversion to Christ. That he which formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith that he he once destroyed. So, Paul was a changed man, but think of the years of service that are wasted by people choosing to live in sin. In Luke chapter 15, we read about the parable. There are actually three parables there, but probably one of the most well known and favorite of those parables is the one about the lost son. The Bible tells us that he went to his father, asked for his inheritance, his father complied with his wishes. And so Jesus said he took a journey into a far country and there he wasted his substance with riotous or profligate living in about verse 13. What Jesus is saying there is that here was a young man that went out into this far country of sin and wasted his life away. He wasted wasted his treasures, his livelihood. There are a lot of people in our world today, they are wasting their talents or their abilities that could be channeled for good because they've chosen to live in sin. And so, we talk about the ways of sin and the waste of sin. And really, sin is such a waste. I see people today who are living in sin. They are living in open open defiance to the will of God. Intelligent people. Hospitable people. Individuals who have so much to offer, and yet they choose to ignore... The riches of God's grace but now think about the assessment by Paul note how he assesses his own life drop down and look at verse 15 if you would in verse 15 Paul said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief here we're talking about the weight of sin, Don't let anybody tell you that there are not burdens to be borne in sin. Sin is a weight, and it will literally bring you down. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer said, Therefore, seeing we also are accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, And run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Sin literally weighs people down. Now look at what Paul said again. Paul said Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That word chief means first in rank or place. What was Paul saying? Paul is simply saying this. If you want to see somebody who is at the top of the ladder when it comes to sin, when it comes to a life of ungodliness, then you're looking at him. It's me. Paul is saying, I am the worst of the worst of the worst. We talk about what we've done and what we've said and where we've been, our actions, our activities, the thoughts of our heart, etc. Well, Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is simply attesting to the fact that if you want to, if you want, if you want to see a genuine fide, card-carrying sinner, Paul is saying, look, I'm the man. I am the one. Now, you know, we live in a day and time in which many people, many people do not want to come clean with their past. It's sad that people are not willing to admit on up to their mistakes. To simply say, as David did in the long ago, look, I have sinned. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is simply affirming the fact that when you look at my life, you're looking at a sinner. Sometimes we talk about pictures and and how pictures are word or or how pictures serve as as a meaning. Well, if you were to look in the dictionary under sinner, you would see a picture of the Apostle Paul. You'd see Saul of Tarsus. And so we talk about the weight of sin here's what here's what solomon said in proverbs 13 verse 15 the way of the transgressor is hard you look at people who have chosen a life of sin look at people that have consumed their lives with alcohol with drug abuse look at people that have fed on things that are immoral and ungodly and look at Look at the the burden and the guilt that they're bearing. Look at how unhappy and miserable they are in life. Well, we talk about dealing with the baggage of sin. All of us have baggage. The question is, are we willing to acknowledge the baggage of sin? But then there's a second thing that I would call your attention to as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And this has to do with the blessings of salvation. Because just as surely as there there is the baggage of sin, there are blessings associated with salvation. And so the first thing I want you to consider with me as we look at our text has to do with Paul's emotional response to salvation. Look, if you would, at verse 12. In verse 12, Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant, exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. When you talk about salvation and when you you read, These statements from Paul, you have a very emotional response from Paul. It was very personal. When we talk about salvation, it's a very personal thing. Paul here in gratitude is saying, Look, this is what God through Christ has done for me. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He would say, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord. One of the things that we ought ought to do daily is get down on our knees and thank Almighty God for what He has done for us through Christ Jesus. Listen to the words of Paul in Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and the life that I now live in, in the flesh I live by faith, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Salvation was a very personal thing to the Apostle Paul. And so we have a very emotional response to salvation. But then also note Paul's example in salvation. Look at verse 15, if you would. In verse 15, Paul said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy. Let in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. What's Paul saying here? Paul is saying, look, the Lord has used me as a pattern or an example to others for salvation. Let's just, let's just make it as plain as we can. Paul is saying, look, if I can be saved, anybody can be saved. Now I know that there are a lot of people in our world today, there are people right here in this city, they have the idea that because of some of the things that they have done in in their lives, there are people that are are saying, I am beyond hope. What, What I have done is irreparable. There's just no way that God could ever love me. There's no way that God could ever shed His grace upon me. There's no way God in heaven could ever forgive me. Well, Paul is saying, look, when you want to talk about sinful people, I am at the top of the list. And Paul is simply echoing the fact that if I can be saved, Anybody, and I would underline that, anybody can be saved. I don't care if, if, if we're talking about a murderer. I don't care if we're talking about an idolater. I don't care if we're talking about an adulterer. If we're talking about a fornicator. If we're talking about a thief, a drunkard. It doesn't matter. Whatever you have done, whatever people have done, can be forgiven. If through faith and obedience to the Lord, they will turn to him. Paul is affirming the fact that, look, I am a pattern. I'm an example of what God through Christ can do in the life of an individual. Now I want you to see something. One of the devil's lies is this. You're too bad. You've done too much. You've said too much. You've been to too many places. There's just no way the Lord in heaven will ever love you or forgive you. The devil wants you to believe. He wants people to believe that lie. You see, the devil is in the damning business. The Lord is in the saving business. And Paul is saying... If God can save me, He can save you. Now go back and look at Acts 22 when Paul recounts his conversion story. He said, I thought within myself to do all things or many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You want to talk about an enemy of the cause of Christ? Somebody who was bloodthirsty, who was out to destroy the body of Christ? That was Saul of Tarsus. Paul said when Ananias came to him he said why are you tarrying arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord if there was hope for Paul there is hope for you and me I believe that think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when you talk about Corinth you're talking about I mean you're talking about an evil ungodly city And so here's Paul in writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, shall inherit the kingdom of God, but such were some of you. What was Paul saying there? He was saying, look, you people at one time had been living in sin, but you've been washed. You've been justified. In other words, they had obeyed the gospel, and thus, as a result of that, they enjoyed the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, we talk about Paul's emotional response to salvation, his example in salvation, and I would also remind you, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, in his second letter, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he said, If any man be in Christ, if any man's in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, whatever you've done in the past, it's gone. It's behind you. You'll never have to meet that again. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, The covenant under which you and I live, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Isn't that a beautiful thought? To know that whatever we've said, whatever we've done, wherever we've been, if it's not been in harmony with the will of God, when we come clean with sin, when we turn to the Lord, the Lord is saying, look, all of that's in the past. I'm not going to hold you against it anymore. I'm not going to continue to bring it up. It's gone. No wonder the psalmist could say, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's gone. And then thirdly, Note, if you would, Paul's exclamation for salvation. Look at verse 17, his praise. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I said a moment ago that if you have obeyed the gospel and you have enjoyed the cleansing power of the blood of Christ, and you're a member of the Lord's church, and you're living faithful, you need to get down on your knees every day and thank Almighty God for what He's done. Paul, in a sense, could step back and in in praise to God, exalt the name of the Lord for what He had done. How grateful we should be for everything the Lord has done for us. No wonder, when you look at the life of Paul, you see somebody who typifies the fact that his grace reaches me. I do not know where you are in your life. I do not know all that you've said, all that you've done. I do not know where you've been in your life. I know the Bible says that the Lord knows. Solomon said in Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God knows all, God sees all. And so one day we're going to stand before Him in the judgment. We'll give an account of the deeds done in the body according to what we've done, whether good or bad, 2 Corinthians 5 at verse 10. And so if you're not a Christian, it would behoove you to obey the gospel today. Paul said, today is the day of salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at verse 2. What would you need to do to enjoy the cleansing power of the blood of Christ? Well, first of all, you have to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John 8 verse 24. If you die in your sins, Jesus said, where I am, there you cannot come. You must also repent, turn from a life of sin, give up sin, get out of the sinning business. Luke 13 3. The Bible then says you are to confess the name of Christ before others. That is, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Then you are to be immersed or baptized into water so that every sin can be washed away. Mark 16:16, 16, 16, Acts 2:38. When you do that, the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And the exhortation is to be faithful until death. Maybe you're here today, you've never obeyed the gospel. Why not do that right now? Maybe you're here, you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ. Well, the beauty of that is the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. The Lord will pardon every sin. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?